What's up, guys? JD here. And on today's show, I am trying a brand new format. I want to know what you guys think of this. So the show is called Making It. And the reason it's called Making It is because I like to see how the sausage is made. It's not about looking at the beautiful dish on the table in the dining room. It's about looking at the chaos in the kitchen. I want to roll up my sleeves. I want to put my hands in the dirt. I want to feel the mud on my fingernails. That's how I feel about business. I want to get into the weeds. And so on today's show, I'm going to be talking to an entrepreneur who is in the middle of building their business, and we're going to open up the books, and we're going to open up the business, and we're going to take a look at it together. I'm going to answer the hard questions. I'm going to give my opinions. We're going to talk about the challenges, and I want to know what you guys think of this format. So on today's podcast, it's my sister. Her name is Batsheva. She is building a legal business, and we're going to get into it in just a second. Let me know what you think of this format. Get me on email, hello at johndavids.com. Of course, you can get me on Twitter at realjohndavids. Let me know what you think of this format, and if you're an entrepreneur who wants to open up, be transparent, submit to my questions, my interrogation, get in touch, let me know. Maybe we'll feature you on an upcoming podcast. And now, let's get to the show. You're listening to Making It with John Davids. All right, so we're going to talk to Batsheva Davids today. And if you recognize the name, it's because she is my sister. I told you guys about her with the divorce coaching business and maybe a few other things. So today, we're just going to have a chat about a new business idea that you have. Does that sound good? Yeah. All right, so... Let me tell you what I understand and you tell me and tell everyone if we're on the right page here. Okay. So the idea is you're a paralegal yes. and you want to work with landlords who own property and provide them some kind of really good service to help them manage their properties. So right. far, right? Yes. Okay. So why don't you give us your 30 seconds on what it is? So basically not only are we helping them manage their property, but we're helping them kind of solve problems before they even happen. So a lot of landlords find themselves, they'll have problems down the line with maintenance issues, with collecting rent, and they don't have anything to back them up. They don't have a plan on what they're going to do or how they're going to collect the rent, how they're going to fix the maintenance issues. And they haven't been keeping records up until now because they don't really know how the business works. They don't know the real estate end and they don't know the legal end. So we're putting it all together with a realtor, a paralegal and our maintenance company. And we're gonna service them from start to finish. So in best case scenario, starting is finding them the best tenant possible. We vet their tenant. Our realtor obviously knows the market and knows what to look for and can do all the you know appropriate background checks together with the paralegal who has more access to different background checks. And we get the best tenant into the unit. We take care of the tenant. We collect the rent. We do the maintenance. We make sure that all the correct legal notices are given for rent increase and such. And if there's any issues with late payment, we send them those correct forms also. So everything's done to a T perfectly and all the records are kept. Best case scenario, your tenant goes on to live there as long as you want them to. And it's a great relationship. Worst case scenario, you have an issue with your tenant, but you're in the best case scenario for the worst case scenario because you've worked with us and we have all your records and we've done everything according to the book. So you're in a great position when you have a problem. How is this different from a property manager? So a property manager doesn't have the legal 
part and they don't have a realtor. So they don't have those two pieces that they can do legal consulting or they can do um, real estate because I've seen that where they do real estate consulting. We help source the best tenants for you. You can't really do that unless you really know the business. So we're really people that know the business better than anyone else. Got it. Okay. And then who's the target customer? Because you talked about people who don't know this or don't know that. Are you really talking about mom and pop investors that have a couple properties? Or could you do this for somebody that's got 50 doors? Is there some sweet spot? Both. So we want to help the mom and pop investors because they're not educated, usually, in what they're about to do, what they're about to get into. And the people with 500, 1,000, 1,500, 2,000 doors, they don't have time to take care of all this. So, you know, sometimes they're foreign investors and they're out of the country for six months a year in Miami or whatever it is. So we're helping them no matter where they're at, we can help them. Got it. Okay. So you sent me a bunch of questions and topics ahead of time. So let's start getting into it here. So the first thing you said, which I don't really understand, but you said, are physical logs still a thing? What does that mean? Yeah. Like, do people want pen and paper type of things or does everything have to be you know, like an online file on the computer, on a Google Doc, because a lot of the times when you're running around from unit to unit, you have, you know, like your notebook and you're writing down all the issues and you, that's how we're keeping notes. Like even when you, you know, like a lawyer walks into the courtroom, they've got their box. So, so I have two answers to that. Number one, 100%, everything should be digital. I don't see a need to have any paper at all. And in the extreme st- you know, sense, like I run my companies completely digitally. We, I don't like paper. When someone says, can you print this for me? I say, no, I'm allergic to printing. Don't even ask me that. So that's, how, that's me. The only thing with you, and this is why I asked you who your customer is, is if you have somebody who's like 68 years old and they have their you know, two properties they've had for the last 20 years and you're stepping in there, they might not be so digitally inclined. So I would try to push for sure to be digital, but you have to understand that you might have some clients that need physical logs. But 100%, I would set yourself up internally, absolutely digitally. So I don't know if you have already done this, but like your internal communication platform might be Slack. You should set yourself up on Google Workspace for email, for document storage, for meetings. You should you know, use monday.com or Asana or Notion for all your project management. You know, like so, all those sorts of things. There's a whole toolkit, and that's how you should run your business. Okay. So far, so good. Yeah. <laughs> any any more questions? Is that is that clear? Yeah, I got it. Okay. I think we have to like we have to meet the the client where they're at, and hopefully they'll want to meet us too. A hundred percent. But there's two things. So there's there's the front end and the back end. The back end should a hundred percent be digital, and the front end is where you have some flexibility. Monthly subscription for rent collection, maintenance checks, and inspections. What does that mean? So are we doing a monthly subscription where they say pay, you know, $169 a door or, you know, $99 a door if you have over this many doors and you get everything included or is everything on a price list and you choose what you want for each unit? So why don't we just get a little deeper there? What, what is the pricing that you're thinking? So what I've seen is anywhere from 5 to 10% of rent or people doing, you know, $169, $99, $119, say like depending on what it is, depending on the size of the unit and the amount of units they get. 
And what are your costs like? I mean, just in terms of you know your ongoing costs, forget about your overhead for a second. Like when you bring on a new door or a new account, whatever the unit is, what are your unit economics like? How, what's it costing you to manage these people? So from like the real estate point of view, the realtor is paid by commission, you know, so that's no cost for me for the realtor to do his job because that's governed by the real estate board. As far as the maintenance person, I'm, I have to work out, you know, how I'm like this, it's contract work. So it's not yep. like a salary and, um, you know, he's expecting X amount of dollars. So the overhead is pretty minimal. Right. And then the only costs come in, I'd imagine, is if someone has to... So like someone's window breaks and they have to replace the window. So there's there's a cost there, for example, right? Right. But then they, they would pay for that for individual, you know, more specialized, like aside from, you know, changing a lock or something more basic, something takes more skill, that would be a separate, that would be included in the one, whatever. And then what about regular services like lawn mowing, for example, stuff that has to be baked in? So that could be out or in, depending on what the client wants and depending on the size of the unit also. But it also depends on the agreement that they have with the tenant because some tenants just take care of their own lawn. And the landlord might tell us, you know, if the tenant agrees to it, it's totally legal for the tenant to agree to it and to do it themselves. Right. So the way I would think about it is on a business like this, your unit economics, and what I mean by that is take overhead out and just look at the dollars earned and dollars spent to make those dollars earned. You should be looking at like an 80% plus gross margin. So if you make a dollar, you should be keeping 80 cents. And that's how these service businesses work. That's how most service businesses work. The ones that are run well, the run, I mean, you could also run a service business where you're making 10%. That's a really crappy business. So that's what you should go for. I'm not saying you're going to get there on day one, but that should be your goal. So the way I would think about this is there's going to be sort of a basic cost for your time or your staff's time. So that's like one cost just to service that one account. And then the minimal things that are included. So let's say, for example, like we can assume that every month, Someone's going to have to replace, let's say, the equivalent of a doorknob or a or a window pane or some something trivial. And we'll say that's going to happen once a month. Really, it only happen. It might only happen once a year, but it might be ten things that pile up, you know, in one month. So let's just amortize it and say I'm going to have to do some kind of service call every month, minimally, and let's bake that into the monthly service and let's tell them, hey, we'll do the first. $100 worth of job or we'll do the first service call for free or some some freebie that they're getting for their money they're paying you. And then after that, they got to pay something. And I'll tell you why I would do it like that for two reasons. Number one, it lets you charge them more every month because you can bill with the assumption of work being done. So you can charge a little more for that. And the second reason I like it is because the client get some value too. They know that you're not going to ding them. Oh, you need one thing? I'll get a ding me right away. So it's like the first two things, let's say the first two things or the first three months or whatever, we'll cover any service calls. And beyond that, you're going to pay us. And that's up to you to kind of figure out how the, how the math works. Maybe you realize if I can sign these clients on for a year, I can afford to do two service calls for free. And then after that, I got to charge them 100 bucks a call or whatever. And I think that's kind of win-win. But how does that sound to you? So it also depends on the tenants. You can have a tenant that calls you for everything, or you can have a tenant that kind of takes care of, you know, so I think you it would have to kind of be gouged for each situation. 
difficult to say because you can have, like I said, you can have tenants that are really impossible. Right. But that that's why we're saying the two... Like If the tenant wants to call you five times a month, cool. So the first two are free and then you're paying for the next three and everything else for the rest right. of the year you're paying so for. So do they carry over? Oh, I didn't use my two last month. Do I get four this month? It's just... So the way I said it was like two for the year. So your okay. first two service calls in the year are free. And after that, it's sort of like auto towing. You know, you pay whatever, 50 bucks a year and your first two tows are free. And then you pay after that. Or insurance, like same idea. Your first accident is, is free. So that's how I would think about it. I like that better than 100 bucks a month because then you're going to run into a real problem with rollovers. Like, oh, I didn't use it last month. 200 this month. You're going to have a lot of people. So just like your first two service calls a year are free. And you could also put some guardrails on that. You could say, you know, like what counts as a service call? Okay, well, like fixing this, fixing this, fixing this. If your entire plumbing is busted, we have to replace your entire house. That's not a service call. That's a whole repair at that point. Yeah. I mean, a service call would basically be any repair that is under a certain amount, like a dollar amount, you would put it at. Totally. Like a minor repair under like $120 or something And you like could even that. list it. You could have a, a sheet listing like, here's everything that counts as a repair. And you can add to that over time. And then here, here's what would be, you know, or here's a service call, here's a repair, here's a major repair, you know, like replacing your entire roof. That's going to be a full-on repair. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> so. That's not a service call. We need some plumbing, roof, and rewiring this month. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. That's, that's, that's my, my, my first two are free, right? I want you to replace <laughs> the entire roof. So the other thing, and just to put a pin on this, the last thing, just to make it clear. So let's just say... I'm making these numbers up. Let's just say you were to charge 200 bucks a month for, the, for this service, for one door, for one unit. So 200 bucks a month. And you know in your head, it's going to cost you, let's say... 30 bucks a month of your or your colleague's time, your whoever your, your labor is. And then it's going to cost $100 for every service call. But you're locking them in at $2,400, 200 times 12. So you know that you're going to get $2,400 from, the, from them. And it's going to cost the 30 times 12, 30 bucks a month for your time. And then at some point in the year, $200 for those two service calls that are on you. And then, you know, everything else you're charging more for. So like, that's how you'd work the math out. Okay. All right. If we need to call a specialist for maintenance, they would pay that specialist directly. Yes, absolutely. Except for whatever's included in the plan. What would a cancellation penalty be? And would we give them their physical file upon cancellation? Or would they have to buy that out separately? So you're talking about if they no longer want to use your service. If they no longer want to use your service... So I would say that your contracts are annual and you could even actually lock them in for longer if they want. So you could say, hey, you know, one year is this. And if you want to get a little discount, we can lock you in for two years or even three years, whatever length they're comfortable with. And then if they want to can so if they want to cancel during your term hundred percent, they would pay a penalty. It could be, I don't know, three months worth of the contract or there's all kinds of ways to calculate it. Like if you break a mortgage, I think you have to pay like 20% of what's left or that sort of thing. And then would you give them their file? I would think you have to give them their file. Yeah. So you give them their file included in that. Um, you wouldn't charge extra for the file. If there's a way to have something proprietary that's sort of baked in. So it's like, whatever is yours is yours. But if there's IP, if there's intellectual property that we've added to this in some way, maybe there's like data and analytics that we've added, which tells us, you know, the amount of time it's going to take before you have to replace your next faucet. Like, and we, we've done the math on that. 
Anything that is your secret sauce, you don't have to give them. No, they only get that while they're with you. So I would actually add in some secret sauce, however valuable it is, as long as it is perceived as valuable. Maybe there's something you have where it's like, we'll do a full analysis when we take on your contract. So we know how to budget for the next 10 years because we've looked at the age of your faucets, the age of your pipes, the when was your roof last repaired. And so we're going to plan that out over the life cycle of our contract, which is like 3 years, 10 years, whatever that is. But if you leave us, you're on your own. We're not giving you that data. That's our data. So that's, that's sort of like, like a, a step up. You don't need that on day one, but it's a nice way to get lock-in. Quick break while I tell you about DemandScope. This is my new agency where we help you blow up your social media so you can blow up your income. DemandScope works with entrepreneurs and business owners to develop their personal brands across LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, and beyond, using the power of personal brand building to drive your business forward in a big way. It's time to turn your social media feed into a customer acquisition engine. Learn more at demandscope.co. That's demandscope.co. You want to make the change in costs high. Like you want it to cost a lot in terms of time, energy, effort for them to switch. Switching costs is what I meant to say. Well, the switching costs, I think the main thing would be with the legal because I have everything organized in a way that if they need to end up going to the tribunal, it's you don't have to pay the paralegal's fees to prepare the file because I already have the file prepared. Right. But they're not doing that every day. Like that, that's not, you need it to be something like that's good and there's value there. So just so I understand what you're saying, you're saying that if they have a fight with a tenant, some kind of legal dispute, you as part of this service are a paralegal. So you already have full visibility on the file. They don't need to worry about dealing with that. Right. Right. It's part of the benefit of having us and then obviously, you you know, like I'm not going to trial as part of this package. You're going to have to pay, you know, for me to represent you and to go to trial. But I know this inside out. Like I know this from start to finish. So, Right. So I, th- I think that's a great selling point. I don't think that would affect the switching costs though. Because I'm not doing that every day. So if a year and a half in, I'm like, ah, I'm going to leave this. I don't need Batchev anymore. Like I'll, I'm going to go to Danny down the street. You're going to say, oh, but if you want to go to fight the legal battle, I'm not going to represent you. They're like, oh, who gives a fuck? Like, that doesn't matter to me, right? But if it's something that they get every day, every week, it's like a benefit, right? It's like, oh, we're doing this constantly. At least they feel that it's being done constantly. Even if it's like nothing on your part, then it's like, oh, if I leave them, I'm going to have to do all this over again or do it myself. So I don't have the answer on that. That could take you... You might figure that out in a year from now when you start to realize working with lots of clients, oh, they all really like this thing. And so let me do more of that. Yeah. So that that's what but you always want to make switching costs high. How much is a monthly fee? How much should the monthly fee be? Should we do a monthly fee for rent collection only and maintenance only and then rent collection and maintenance altogether? Or should we only offer one package? So you're saying, how do we package this? How do we tier it? You know, tier one, tier two, tier three. So what would your most if you had to do one package i always like to say you know what's the one channel the one customer the one icp ideal customer profile the one thing we're going to sell what do you think it's going to be so it's definitely the inspections like you can do inspection you know your twice a year inspections move in and move out basically and if they're not moving out you do one before the year is up that would be a big, you know, a hassle for someone who's not around to do and also to do for so many units. The rent collection. Yeah. So, so inspection, rent collection, 
probably main. I'd say most people will, will need main will need lawn care or snow shoveling done for them, right? Right. So house maintenance. You could even do like this is a different kind of service, but you could add in a concierge service, which is like again the whole twice a month or whatever, or not twice a month. It's five times throughout the throughout the year or whatever the time frame is. If there's a problem, we'll send someone over. And not only that, sorry, preventative stuff. So it's like you got to change your furnace filters once a year. Like we'll we'll do that for you. So like all those things are sort of included. They don't have to worry about it. We got to turn your your water faucets off in the winter so your hoses don't freeze over. We'll do that for you. So all that sort of stuff should be done for them. And it feels like a concierge service. This is VIP concierge service. Like a seasonal um, turnover type yeah. of thing. Yep. If bring everyone there's you know you could bring them even like bags of salt and a shovel for the units like a more of a vip kind of service totally but all that kind of stuff like what, what i'm what, the way i'm thinking about this is what's all the value you can give them which is really not going to cost you a lot of money like shovels salt sending someone over to turn the hot water off like you don't even need a plumber to do that that's like super easy to do anyone could do it like all those little things they start to stack up in the perceived value. And it's like, oh my God, they're doing this list of 30 things for me. And it might only cost you $200 to do all those things. But the value you could, the price you could charge them, you could charge them $3,000 a year, $4,000 a year, because you're doing, you're taking all this work off their plate. So that, that's sort of one thing to think about. The other thing I was going to say is you've got to do a, uh, I would think like a setup fee here because. I mean, you could do a setup fee, or I guess because you're doing long contracts, you don't even need a setup fee. You could just make your price inclusive of all those things. But I have been in services before where they do do a setup fee, even if you do have a long-term service with them. Like yep. a one, you know, they're fill you fill out a questionnaire type of thing because you want to learn about your client. You're just giving me an idea here. So, like, I want to learn about my client. I would fill out a questionnaire, do like maybe a half hour interview with them where I get to know them and get to know what their needs are. And they do a setup fee to get everything in place, I guess, for their file. Or is that... That's all good. But what does that have to do with a setup fee? I, I lost the connection there. Um, so it's like a one-time registration, basically. Okay. So you're saying you're, they're going to pay you for the setup, like for, for, the, for the intake? Yeah. Okay. Sure. I mean, you could you could do a setup fee for anything you want. I'm just saying the setup fee can then also be used as a discounting mechanism. So it's like, here's our setup fee. But when you sign on for two years... So for one year, you got to pay the setup fee. If you sign on for two years, there's no setup fee. So you can also use it as a negotiating tactic. Okay. There's a company... I was going to show you. Okay. So there's a company called... Re, you know what? I'll, I'll come to this after. There's a company I wanted to show you, but I'm going to... Let's, you know, like two questions left here, I think. So let's finish up here. How do I pay the guy who is doing the maintenance and the rent collection? So labor is going to be the the big thing. Like figuring out your labor costs is going to be half the battle here because that's going to get your gross margins up. You could very quickly eat up all your margin if you overpay on the labor. So I would be finding, I would be working really hard to find the people, the two or three or four people who are going to be your laborers, the people going into the units, doing the inspections, doing all those things. And I'd be working out fees with them, whether they're fees because you're going to give them a lot of business or whatever leverage you have. Or maybe, and I don't know the, the legalities of this, but maybe there's like, you know, you can have certain work done by people that are not certified to do it. Like right. in the example I gave, I don't need to hire a plumber to turn my water taps off. Yeah. 
so the person that I'm going to be meeting with is not certified. He's a handy man, like literally just a handy guy. And he can do, I mean, he can paint a room if he has to, he can, you know, but he can't rewire. He can do an oil change, but he can't like rewire the electricity or do plumbing. So like, let's just say the services he would do, the painting, the managing the, you know, minor plumbing issues or whatever, you could bill those out you know, as part of your package for market rate, but you know you're paying that guy much, much less. So that's how you would do it. Now, how do you pay the guy? When you say, how do you pay him? Are you asking, like, do you pay him under the table? Or what are you no, asking? No, 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 no. I'm, I'm asking how do I... Like, if I tell him, you know, you're collecting rent, I give him 10 units, say, you're collecting rent and you're going to stop by an inspection, a yearly inspection in five of them this month, and you're collecting rent for 10 of them this month. Yeah. So, so I, I I pay him based on the job. I wouldn't give him any kind of salary if that's what you're asking. No, I would, so I'm saying what do you like so I'm not paying him by the hour because I'm gonna tell him rent needs to be collected on, you yeah. know, the thirty first or the first, go and do it. Just have it to all to me by the second. I'm not yeah, tracking so you, his hours. The answer or, is you'd pay him by the job and you'd work out those those costs based on your costs and your unit economics. So again, this all comes back down to the spreadsheet, like any business or any Kind of time I'm working out the cost of something. I'm doing a spreadsheet. Where I'm saying, okay, it's gonna. Here's here's well, here's my costs. Here's everything. I'm gonna pay this guy. I'll make this number up. I'm gonna pay him thirty dollars every time he goes to. That's a lot of money. I'm gonna pay him, let's say, fifteen dollars every time he goes to pick something up, and I'm billing that out as part of my package. You know that that's gonna be worth like fifty bucks a month. It's costing me fifteen. I'm, I'm paying fifty. So that's how you'd kind of figure it out. And maybe while he's there, he can also do the concierge inspection. So that's going to be, and and you know, I'm billing that out at fifty bucks a month, but that's only costing me an extra five bucks. So that's how you'd start to do the math. It's all like the reason I can't give you a number is because it's all based on market rate. Like there are some things that you can have done for very cheap, but people are willing to pay a lot of money for them. And there's some arbitrage that you know of that not a lot of people know of. You know, where there's mystery, there's margin. You can, you, if you know what things cost, you know to get them done cheaper, and you can bill them out for more. How many contractors are, are out there that are billing $2,000 for something and they're paying their, their day laborers 13 bucks an hour? So like that kind of arbitrage is how you do it. But you have to look at the numbers. I, you know, I don't know the numbers. Okay, so there's a guy on Twitter named Nick Huber. Nick, H-U-B-E-R. So if you go to nickhuber.com, N-I-C-K, huber.com. Have you heard of this guy? No. Okay, so he's a real estate guy. And the only reason I thought of him is not actually because of the real estate connection. It's because of his uh, the way he runs his businesses, which is very similar to what we've been talking about. So mm-hmm. he runs all these real estate-related businesses. He's got a, a property and casualty insurance business. He's got a, a lending business. He's got a what else? A tax credit business. The one that I wanted to mention though was this last one at the bottom, not the last one, sorry, in the middle row on the right side, it's called Recost Seg. So it's real estate cost segregation and depreciation studies. So basically, the way this works is in the US, when you and maybe other places too, when you're buying a property, there's all kinds of depreciation and segregation that you would do to take a bunch of the tax losses up front. So I don't know too much about this, but basically, if let's say there's going to be $100,000 worth of depreciation over the next three years, I can collect all 100,000 on day one 
so that I can get my tax credits up front, even though they're not going to occur for the next few years. And I'm sure there's a whole of a whole lot of legalities around that, but that's basically what it is. So in order to figure out what that cost segregation analysis is, the old way of doing it is somebody came to your house and did a whole study and took notes and had a note, a clipboard and looked at everything and was there for four hours. And they did a super expensive analysis and you paid a lot of money for that. The way he has set up his company, Recost Seg, is you walk around the house with an iPhone on FaceTime and they'll ask you questions. Oh, can you show me a close-up of this faucet? Show me a close-up of the roof here, whatever. And then in like whatever, 24 hours, you get a full analysis and he's having it done, I'd imagine, by some dude in Colombia getting paid a fraction of the money. So the customer's getting a lot of convenience. No one has to come over. No one's flying in. No one's coming to your house and spending four hours there. And they're paying a lot less. And the way the business is running is totally remote. They don't have to have physical people anywhere. Everything's done on an iPhone and on a computer. The reason I'm saying that is because a lot of the stuff... I mean, rent collection might be different. Although maybe you could set up automatic rent collection. Or I know in some places you can go and pay like at a bank. So it's like, just go, go to BMO or go to this bank every month and make your payment. So anything you can do to take the physicality out of running this business is going to be phenomenal for you. So the rent collection, I mean, would be like ideally e-transfer or post-data checks. But in the, the way the market is right now with rentals, it's difficult to get people to agree to anything. So just the way it is right now in yeah, I got market. you. So that, that's fair. And what about having them go to the local bank and just paying at the bank with a check every month? Right. Sometimes they need someone knocking on their door and saying, I'm here for the rent. Right. <laughs> okay. So you got to so, roll up your sleeves and... Yeah. And uh, you know, like the 68-year-old doesn't want to do that. Or the guy who's on vacation six months a year can't be knocking on totally. doors every day. Totally. So in that case, what I, what I would do... And the, again, these are all like getting into the weeds a little bit, but like... Option A, first course of events should be you can go to any one of the big banks and pay, bring a check and pay. And there's a bank within... E-transfer. E-transfer. Sure. You can do e-transfer. You can go to the bank if you want to go in person. A lot of people still go to the phone... You know, the phone store and pay their phone bill in person. Like still happens today. So... Well, I do. (laughs) No. Are you kidding? Yes. Because last time I paid it online, they lost my payment and they didn't put it to my account. And I fought with them for so long... But I just decided I'm never making another payment online again. Okay. And I have literally not gone in person to make a payment or even made a payment online myself. Everything's done automatically. So it shows you the difference in like how people like to pay their bills. But so that's fine. If you want to pay in person, that's fine. If you want to pay online, no problem. But if we have to send someone to your door to collect rent, so if you're late twice, let's say, we'll give you two chances. We're actually, if this is legal, we're going to charge you 15 bucks, not, not the landlord, the tenant, because now we have to send someone out. So if you're late more than, more than two times, we're going to add a fee on a collection fee. Is that legal? So that's where the forms at the paralegal would fill out and start the legal process. That's where I would come in because instead of having to chart, you know, hire another person, you've already got your legal team. Right. But that's something. So just to be clear though, as the landlord, I don't care about that. Like in other words, that's a, that's a cost that you're going to have to absorb. But the, the back end of that is, you know the process and you can work out. Right. Yeah. That, yeah, that's I can thing. charge. But as far as I, the landlord goes, like they're like, but Sheva, you take care of it. Like, don't ask me for to take care of that. 
Exactly. Totally. I'm taking care of it. But without me, you're just banging on the door and getting nothing. Right. Very cool. Okay. That was a lot. So any more questions about this? Any more big topics we didn't cover? So as a landlord, say you're the landlord. What do you want? What's the biggest selling feature for you? The biggest selling feature is me not having to do anything. So I like the idea of having all these services connected. I think from a marketing standpoint, what you need to do is instill the fear of God in people. I mean, this is fear. Like This is fear selling. This is like... You think having rental properties is passive income? Think again and pull some stats. You know, 60% of people in the last year defaulted on their rent. Most people are late in payments, da, 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 like all these things. You so know. I need to tell you, like, this is the reason why I'm doing this because people are literally living rent free for 17 months. Like, I'm telling you, there, people are losing. I had one paralegal colleague who told me a client called her and said, I'm taking my life now because I cannot deal with this anymore. This is really like it is. It's yeah. literally killing people. What's going it's on out there? Yeah. So I think you need to sell the fear because this this to me is a you know there's a few powerful emotions. There's you know there's love. There's death. There's fear. And so fear is what you're selling here. And what you're selling is that person who is about to get into the business, or maybe they're already in the business. Oh, that's the other thing I wanted to come back to. I think you should nail really narrow your ideal customer profile. And I would say it's probably something like the four-person or three-person, a three-unit owner. You know, Is this institutional? Is this for someone that owns 100 plus doors? Maybe not. Or, or maybe... But like, not at a certain point, it's going to cut off, right? Like a, a landlord with three thousand doors is not going to need this. They're going to have their own office doing it. So you've got to think about, okay, like, is one unit worth my time? Maybe is a thousand? Well, no. So what is it? Is the guy who owns five units that sort of thing? But he could have five hundred units, not in the same place necessarily. Like you're thinking of like an apartment building with a thousand right. doors. You could have twenty here, fifteen there. Like they could be all over the place and not have that. Totally. So, so it would be about about figuring out just as at a high level, figuring out who who the customer is and where your services are most acute. Like the person who owns, let's say, a thousand units, probably is not going to be sold by fear because they're like, I've been doing this for twenty years. Like you can't scare me. But it's that it's that mid level person who maybe wants to go on vacation for six months a year, doesn't want to be there, and um, and and so that's who you're selling to. So thinking about that, and to answer your question, what's the value? The value to me is you're saving me a huge headache. You're you're actually giving valuable service. So you're adding value where I didn't have it before. You're you're upselling me on things like, for example, the concierge service. We're going to go there and do it. We're going to take care of your snow plowing. We're going to take care of calling that plumber when, when the toilet breaks. Like That's all the stuff that you're... The peace of mind you're providing. And there's value there. Cool? Mm-hmm. All right. You're going to give us an update on how this goes. And I want to know what people think. In the comments on YouTube... You tell us what you think of this business and what we missed. Sound good? Yeah, I want to hear. All right. I want to see those comments. (laughs) Hopefully we get some comments. All right. Thanks, guys. We will talk to you next time.